Welcome everyone to The Third Wheel, Herbert Smith Freehill's podcast series exploring all things ESG. You may recognise us from the previous episode. I'm Lucy McCullough, partner and head of finance at HSF in Melbourne. I'm lucky to be joined for a second special takeover episode by Alice Molan and Anna Coroneo, but I'll leave it to them to reintroduce themselves as well. Thanks, Lucy. It's great to get together again. I'm Alice Molan, a partner in the Financial Services Regulatory Team. Thanks both. And I'm Anna Coronio, a senior associate in the head office advisory team, which is our designated corporate governance advisory practice. The Australian sustainable finance market has really picked up some pace in recent weeks. So we thought we'd do another takeover episode to update you on what's been going on. That's right. So since the the Australian Sustainable Finance Summit that we spoke about in our last episode, the Treasury has released a consultation paper on its sustainable finance strategy as it aims to support Australia's pathway to net zero. The strategy proposes a range of measures to underpin the development of Australia's sustainable finance markets and works to ensure that these markets have access to credible and comparable information as Australia transitions to net zero. That's great, Alice. It's a very exciting opportunity for everyone to contribute to the Commonwealth Treasury strategy. So let's kick off by diving into what the strategy aims to do. The Commonwealth Treasury has outlined three main objectives. Firstly, is to mobilise the private sector investment required to support net zero transition plans. Secondly, to ensure Australian entities can access capital and pursue opportunities that are aligned with positive sustainability outcomes. And finally, to ensure sustainability and climate-related opportunities and risks are easily understood and managed. Following on with their theme of threes, Treasury splits its policy priorities across three pillars by which it hopes to achieve those objectives. The first pillar is that Treasury hopes to improve transparency on climate and sustainability through access to credible, accurate and actionable information on climate and sustainability. I guess the burning question might be, how does Treasury actually plan to do that? And they've given us a couple of building blocks for improving transparency in this space. The first is around ensuring standardised disclosure of climate and other sustainability-related financial opportunities and risks. Um, For example, we've currently got the proposal to have climate reporting standards in Australia, but in the medium term, that might be expanded to sustainability disclosure standards following um, the international trends. And ASIC intends to update guidance in relation to voluntary nature-related disclosures, similar to the guidance for climate disclosures that are published a couple of years ago. Secondly, there's the development of an Australian sustainable finance taxonomy, and that's to assist market participants to understand how certain economic investments align with good sustainability outcomes and to prevent greenwashing risk. And I think Treasury is aiming to have that embedded into the regulatory architecture as well. And then hot off the press on the day of recording this podcast, ASFI has published two methodology papers as it takes a further step towards the development of Australia's sustainable finance taxonomy. And they were released at the Treasurer Investor Roundtable on net zero transition. Uh, Just to give a bit of background on what the two methodology reports are, the first one defines green and transition, which are obviously two key words in this space, and how sectors and activities will be assessed as eligible or not for inclusion in the Australian taxonomy under these labels. 
The second methodology report explains the process for determining the classification of other environmental objectives and social considerations in the taxonomy and how they will be defined for the purpose of ensuring that green and transition activities that support climate change mitigation don't undermine Australia's other sustainability goals. Then the third building block is around improving sustainability labelling for investment products that are labelled as green, sustainable, ESG or sort of similar, and that'll be a 2024 reform. So that's really consistent with what we're seeing internationally as well. Um, and if you listen to our last episode, we did go into some of those um, areas a little bit more. So it's good to see that we're now getting some sort of tangible, tangible plans and a way forward. Yeah, absolutely. And transparency is obviously really important, excuse me, but the strategy then turns to its second pillar, which suggests that transparency alone is not enough. Sustainability-related considerations must be practically embedded into the decision-making processes of firms, financial institutions and regulators. Now, with my FSR hat on, financial regulators are clearly already prioritising climate and sustainability issues. And against that context, Treasury is seeking to support that momentum to ensure Australia's financial system has the capability to tackle long-term sustainability challenges. As part of that, Treasury suggests a few key methods to do this, such as include uh, such as uh, continued support of ASIC's capacity to supervise and address market misconduct. So we've seen that in actions connected to greenwashing, and that's an ongoing priority. And it also uh, is looking to expand the APRA's Council of Financial Regulators' work on climate and sustainability-related financial risks. Really what Treasury is hoping is that it will continue to work with financial regulators to identify policy priorities to ensure sustainability considerations are embedded in corporate governance and Treasury is seeking feedback on the analytical challenges of sustainability data so that APRA's Council of Financial Regulators can address these challenges. The strategy's third and final pillar consists of the importance of government commitments, policies and strategies to align private sector investment with sustainability goals. Strong public policies provide signals to help Australian financial institutions to invest with confidence and ensures effective allocation of long-term capital. This also contributes to cross-border sustainable finance flows as Australia increases its attractiveness in a competitive global market. One such way the government can signal their commitment to climate, energy and sustainability related goals is through a well-designed and credible sovereign green bond program. The strategy states that the first issuance of the government's sovereign green bond program is to occur mid-2024. So let's all watch this space. As discussed in our previous episode, CEFC are a keen supporter of the delivery of the government's sustainable finance strategy. Under this strategy, CEFC expand their discounted financing operations across priority sectors, contribute to the development phase of the sustainable finance taxonomy and back innovative products, technologies and financial models. Finally, this pillar touches on the critical need for Australia's alignment to global sustainable finance frameworks in an effort to position Australia as a global sustainability leader. Thanks, Lucy. Thanks, Anna. There's so much to, to think more about and plenty more to come in 2024, I'm sure. 
So thank you everyone for joining us today as we took a deeper look into the Treasury Sustainable Finance Strategy. But before we close, and as is the third wheel tradition, an interesting fact from the world of ESG. Africa has been identified as the world's mobile banking leader. 48% of the population use banking services. And while this means that half the population remain unbanked, the number is a market shift from 35% five years ago. The rise of mobile and digital banking has helped millions of people in Africa gain access to finance outside of the traditional banking networks. And there has been a notable leapfrog from people with no banking engagement straight into mobile banking. A key catalyst for the shift was incentives from the governments of African nations during COVID-19. This included, for example, waiving transaction fees. A timely reminder that innovative access to finance will be part of the future of global banking. As always, thank you for listening. In the spirit of reconciliation, Herbert Smith Freehills acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea, and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. You have been listening to a podcast brought to you by Herbert Smith Freehills. For more episodes, please go to our channel on iTunes, Spotify, or SoundCloud and visit our website, herbertsmithfreehills.com, for more insights relevant to your business.